0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU, as the introduction suggests. My name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Auto and Jeffrey Show here in Memphis, Tennessee. Weekdays from 2 until 4. You can stream us live on the Odyssey app anywhere nationwide. Joined, as always, by my co-host, he is RJ Choppy, the co-host of Shannon RJ. Weekday mornings from uh, 6.30 to 10, right? Five thirty 30 to 10 close. Hey, look, if they let me
1: sleep in an extra hour, I'm not going to say no
0: boy. Uh, it is nice how we decided, you know what people need at five thirty in the morning yeah. sports. It's yeah. it's that's, that's that sweet spot that everyone needs. He's on Twitter at RJ choppy RJ. We discussed it last week, how both of us knew 1000% the right bet was going to be Georgia, but neither one of us could do it. And yeah. You know what? I actually kind of thought about it. I did, by the way, I did hit my, uh, my plus my 300 Latou to score prop bet. So for, every, for everyone that was listening last week, you're welcome. It was one of those weird ones, though. I was fine the way that it happened. Yeah. Losing, betting Alabama the way that I did and losing would have felt a, like that felt Wait, i could live with that a lot better than in the sec title game when i was convinced georgia was going to win and alabama just crushed them. like that was a that was a very different experience for me
1: you know i i agree um i'll tell you this you know in the middle of that game when georgia took a 13 12 lead or whatever it was um 13
0: 9 maybe yeah, no, you're right. I think it was 13-9, and then Alabama kicked a field goal, and then you started doing the math. You're like, God, they're kicking too many field goals.
1: Yeah. Um, and then it was 13-12. Bama was plus 210 on the money line. And I hammered them. I hammered them. I was like, oh, this is this is great. Bama's been like, you know, they've been giving away so many points in the red zone on on field goals. Like, they're going to get a field goal here. Georgia can't move the ball. Their one touchdown came uh on a on a long chunk play run. Uh it, it wasn't gonna happen again, right? Like I was like, this is they're not gonna win. Georgia's not gonna win this game. I'm hammering Bama. I hammered Bama. And I'm an idiot because I continue to lose.
0: Well, it is that weird reality of when you see the Stetson Bennett fumble and honestly, shout out to the reps. I think they weirdly got that call right like that. I know, I know we always I know everyone loves to complain about officiating. I'm not the world's biggest replay fan, like in general, especially the way they use it in college, just because it slows the game down so much. But I was glad that they had replay on that one, because I think we got to see that when you saw the original call, I was like, well, that's not going to stand like I, there's yeah. no way that stands. And then they show that one side angle. and You're like, oh, my God, I think they got this right. Like, it was unbelievable. And so you have yeah. to be feeling amazing at that point. Cause you're just like, Georgia, gonna Georgia, here we
1: go again. Let's go. I'll make the money. It was, it was tremendous. Like I thought it was going to happen. And, and I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't know that I care for a rule that allows for a guy to nonchalantly pick up a ball into his hands, not even knowing or having any intention of of taking it and making it a turnover. Like I don't know that I, I I think I should be rewarding that. There's a fair I, I I see what you're
0: saying. Also though, as casually as he grabbed and like crowd the football, like you gotta admit that did look cool. Like oh it, yeah. I think I think the spin zone for him is, I'm so good, that I can get a turnover
1: even when I don't care. Uh yeah I mean look. I don't know that I care whether or not, you know, how he got the ball. Like, I, you know, I, I don't care, like, how he got it. It just felt weird, right? The guy felt like he had, A, no idea what was going on, and, yes. B, didn't really – I mean, there was – so because he had no idea what was going on, he took no initiative. There was no sense of urgency. No. none at all. No, so, it was very casual. Know, and, no, very, very casual. It was a cool play, though. Um, I, I don't think that we look back – you know I, I was talking about this on the radio this week it just seems like there's less memorable sporting events today than there was 50 years ago like in the 70s right or, or 40 years ago like every game had a name to it right every big game had a name to it there's no memorable like you know we we see a play and i forget it a week later that's how busy our lives are nowadays right you forget things if that play happened in 1972 it would have a name. It would be on a Wheaties box. It would have everything to it. And now that play happens today. And, and we kind of laugh at it. And it's just different.
0: Yeah, I think, it, I think the point that you make is, I think it's a couple of factors. Number one, I think the most obvious is just way more games. You know what I mean? Like, you know, back in the 70s, what, you know, you got one college football game a week, essentially broadcasted. Uh, yeah. And then on top of that, it's the nature of media. I mean, we don't really have myth building anymore. I mean, myth building now is essentially just marketing. Like the, the biggest myth builders are Nike. You know, it's the, it's yeah. the apparel companies versus Dan Jenkins, you know, writing, uh, you know, the coming up with the nickname and telling the story and whatnot. And everyone running, you know, every newspaper covering it. Now it's just, I just don't think that, I don't think things are going to ever feel as big again Because I don't think that, like, it's ever going to be like a everyone covers this game. Everyone watches this game. I think there's an element of that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the TV ratings were, uh, you know, they weren't great for this. Um, You know, they were better than they were, what, last year. But they were down, I think, lowest since 05. Yes, uh, I believe it was the
0: lowest title game since 05.
1: And that 05 game was Oklahoma-USC, which was built up as much as any game I can ever remember being built up in recent memory and it was a dud dud like it not not just a dud it was a dud dud uh but this was a lowly, lowly rated game and i do think that that is college football's most pressing issue is how do you engage the folks that you know are not on i-20
0: yeah i mean right? i, I, I think,
1: yeah i mean I, to me
0: like it's you know it's one of those situations where the game is getting more and more regionalized and more and more niche. I do wonder, though, it's always kind of been a niche, regionalized sport. Yeah. I think people thought, particularly I think television executives thought, you know, we can make this the number two sport behind the NFL because America loves football. And I've lived out there. I just don't know how you get people in L.A. to care about college football. They got other things to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I just. I think it's, you know, you're someone that has the unique experience of, you know, growing up in, in Jersey and then coming down, like you just realize it's just different. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's part of people's fabric. And, and I just don't think you can just tell people to care.
1: You know what I mean? You're right. No, you can't. And, and, you know, the two biggest media markets of the country, New York and LA don't, don't give a, you know, what about college That's football, all. Uh, you know, New York's a college basketball town. If it's a, if they're going to root for watch a college sport, it's going to be college basketball, um, you know, and, and L.A. is probably the same way, uh, unless USC is right. really, really good. But, um, yeah, it has become more regionalized, and it always has been. It's always been, you know, absent in the top two cities, you know, really kind of the top three cities, because Chicago, I mean, there's some alumni there, but, you know, the there's no Chicago football. I mean, Northwestern, Illinois, they're not any good. So it's kind of been absent in the top two, three cities uh, in the U.S., and it is a regionalized sport now. It's been regionalized to the east, you know. If you, yeah. if you want to regional, and then now more so to the south. But you know, you still got Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame, uh, Nebraska, and you know you got your Texas schools and Oklahoma. But you know, Nebraska ain't any good anymore, and Texas can't get out of their own way half the time. So it does become more regionalized.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we
1: also have to look at it big
0: picture. While well, yes, the rating is down, I think it's what still what twenty five million people watched it. I mean we are talking about outside of the nfl this is probably going to be and i guess it's an olympic year surprise but i mean this is going to be you know one of the 20 probably biggest broadcasts of the year i mean that's kind of you the mean, reality unless,
1: unless you get a game seven in the nba finals with lebron against the nets you're not touching yeah. 25 million you know you're, yeah. you know the last year's nba finals got like 12 million and the world series got like 13 million last year yeah uh so like that's we're still doubling them up yeah and,
0: and, and it was a for the most part, it was. Consi- I think most, most baseball executives were probably pleased with the ratings last year in the World Series.
1: I would think so, especially when you don't have uh, Dodgers-Yankees in them. You, yeah. know, you probably are pretty pleased when it was Braves, uh, Braves-Astros. But, I mean, you know, this still got a good number, and basically 11 states watched it. Yep. I mean,
0: that's, that's the reality of it. This is kind of a big-picture question I wanted to ask you. Do you think with Georgia winning, it's a throwback? You know what I mean? This is, this is Kirby Smart building 2009 Alabama in the year 2021, and I guess doing it technically in 2022. Do you feel like that this was a, you know, defense strikes back? You know, was this a, was this a turning of a page, a new chapter, in showing that this is, a, this is a new blueprint? Or do you feel like that this was more of a one-off? In the way that they want. I'm not saying that, listen, the way Georgia's recruiting, I'm not the idiot that's going to go, this is a one-off. You know what I mean? Like. Right. But in terms of, if you ask me, do I think Georgia can win again with a Stetson Bennett adjacent type quarterback? My answer is no. But I'm curious to know how you feel about it.
1: My answer is probably no as well. Um, because the likelihood that they were going to play a team that would be without their top two wide receivers and a couple of guys in the offensive line are probably pretty slim. Um, you know, Bama has also a, a, a young quarterback, right? So who, who was who – who, really seen...
0: who was having to do it all. All. I mean, especially once Williams, once Williams went out, it was just like, all right, Bryce, go get him, buddy.
1: Yeah. Now, the one thing is that, you know, the two best coaches or at least the two championship-level coaches that were this year are both defensive guys, and they're going to air to that side of the ball. Um, you know, right? Like you know, obviously, Kirby is always going to, you know, favor defense over anything else. So, I, I think Georgia will have a defense. Like, this was a historic defense, though. I mean, what did they do? They trailed. They, they didn't give up a touchdown in to, by their starters until, what, like week six? I mean, they trailed, what, one time the entire year? I mean, come on now. I mean, on top of that, you know, to your point about
0: without – The first time I really panicked on my Alabama bet, obviously when Williams got hurt, you can even go out and see on Twitter. Like I legitimately threw out there. Should we take Georgia now? Because I knew that without Jamison, they had no one to like take the top off the defense. And that allowed Georgia to sink in. Yeah. The thing that was just really so impressive to me is RJ, that was not exactly a bad offense. Every single time they got into the red zone, Georgia just stuffed them. And Mm -hmm. to me, especially with how shaky of a start Stetson Bennett had. I mean, that's about as, you know, that would be like you and me on number one at Augusta, our first time to ever play. Like, that's how nervy he looked. Like, I mean, he had the shakes. I mean, he just literally dropped the ball as he was running, running towards the first down. But the fact that the defense never really gave up that touchdown that made it a two-score game, it allowed Georgia, I felt like, to not panic and kind of sit in. They never really had to change the game script because Georgia never was good on third down. Bennett made enough plays, but you know, that did not change my opinion. Like, I think the difference was for me, it confirmed to me that Stetson Bennett really wasn't good enough to win that game. The thing that I had left out was that Georgia's defense was good enough to keep Alabama from actually winning the game.
1: Look, look, the best thing Stetson Bennett did is go on good morning America. That was tremendous content. Uh, I'm convinced that I don't know if he has sobered up since he very well may not have. Yeah. The good thing for
0: him, the good thing for him is God, I hope he doesn't have a girlfriend. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like (laughs) how can we get some Stetson Bennett stock right now? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the other thing he can come back next year. And, like, it would be hilarious that if he came back and then they benched him again, like, because yeah. I mean, when everyone does the, like, oh, you're being mean to him, first off, like, whatever. I, I'm watching him play football. I'm speaking nothing about his character as a human being. In fact, he seems to be a great kid, and I wish him all the well. But Kirby Smart's benched him, like, four times. Yeah, yeah. Like this is This is that weird reality, and I guess – For me, this is kind of what I was thinking big picture with that game. Did it feel like the beginning of a new era or did it feel like Georgia cashing in when they needed to cash in?
1: Look, I think it was a new era in terms of I don't believe they're ever going to be Alabama, and I don't think that they're going to be what Clemson was over the last six years either. Um, But, I mean, they have arrived, and Kirby has shown that he can win his way I mean, the new era, they're going to win the East for the foreseeable future in the conference. I know Billy Napier is there and he's going to do great things at Florida. And I mean, you know, Beamer's got things actually working kind of well at South Carolina. And we'll see what Heupel does with the offense, if he can get a defense at Tennessee. But other than that, I mean, who's competing for them in the East? Nobody. Like they're going to be in the SEC championship game, probably undefeated for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, they recruited such a level that you, you can't deny it. But I'm not willing to say this was the beginning of a new era. When we come back, we're going to get in some college hoops talks. We'll do all that next. Stick around. You are listening and watching BetQLU. QLU.
1: From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU QLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright.
0: Hey, we welcome you back to BetQLU. I am Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. RJ, the stories of the week, Baylor and USC fall. I believe that was Tuesday, if I recall correctly. They, Weirdly, Stanford and USC was played at like 2 in the afternoon in an empty gym. And listen, I think we all know what the Pac-12 restrictions are, but we're in a situation now where we have no more undefeateds left. I'm curious in your mind, it's January. We're about to get into, you know, separating who we think is a real contender versus tournament teams versus the bubble teams. For you, kind of what has stood out through the first couple of months of college basketball?
1: You know, I think what stood out the most is, is a couple of things. One, there, there probably is no great team. Like, last year we knew it was Gonzaga was the great team all year. Uh, I, I think the other thing that stood out to me is that is there, a, like, a, a shift? Like, is the you know, is the ACC, it's not as good as it used to be. And with Coach no, I mean, K. Actually, the question, the question that I wrote down was, does the ACC stink this year? It does. It does. You know, I mean, Miami can, you know, they're, they're not bad. Duke uh, is, I mean, they're always going to be a, a, a good team, Carolina's not any good. Who's the other powerhouse? I mean, you know, who's the guy? Who's the team up north that's any good anymore? There isn't one. Well, I mean, Maryland fires their coach. I mean, I, I did that did feel like
0: a lifetime achievement award. Like, I've never seen somebody that a school wants to fire every single year and then somehow he like kept his job. It was yeah. remarkable. But, you know, I mean, I know they're in the Big Ten now, but like, I don't even. You know, Syracuse feels like. They're all Syracuse does feel like they're positioning themselves nicely to be an 11 or 12 seed that makes a final four run. It, you know what I mean? Like it feels like we get that about every three or four years. It feels like this might be the year.
1: Yeah, it might be it. I mean, especially because nobody plays the zone and nobody knows yeah. how to, how to play offense against the zone. And all they've got to do is get to, a, you know, get to about 55, 60 points, but you know, uh, you know, I have so I've thought obviously there's no great team. The ACC is not very good, and I don't know how when it's going to be great again, considering their two biggest teams, Carolina and Duke, uh, either have already lost their head coach in Roy Williams or are losing their head coach in Mike Krzyzewski. And quite frankly, the Big Ten isn't that boring, and they got star power. Okay, help me
0: out here, because there's I have two questions, and they're both – I want your opinion on it. I am someone that believes – Big Ten football is actually undervalued. Like I actually think they have pretty good football, and I know for Southerners that, that that's I'm supposed to be you know burned at the stake for that.
1: Yeah, you should be. But
0: I do think it's I think it's underrated in terms of like the way we dismiss it. I'm the opposite in basketball. Like every year that everyone's like the Big Ten's the best league, like I immediately last year I made so much money in the tournament by just fading the Big Ten. Like I was like I just don't believe these teams are that good. Is this year different because it felt like at this time last year we were doing the exact same thing, where we were talking about the Big Ten is clearly separated itself. I mean, what we they end up with? Did they get a Sweet Sixteen team? I mean, I remember on that Friday night at one point it was like, are any of them going to win a game? Like I remember yeah, like thinking right. at one point.
1: Uh yeah, I think did Iowa did Iowa make it to the Sweet Sixteen? Maybe. Um, yeah, I think the Big Ten is good this year. Um, they do have some, some solid players Uh, uh, on the flip side. They don't have anybody who is in Ken Palm's teams that can win the title, right? Every year it's, you you know, the teams every year since 2002 top 20 in both offensive and defensive, uh, adjusted efficiency. Well, there's only eight of them this year right now at the moment. And none of them are big 10 teams. Yeah. Their best chance is probably Illinois. Illinois 10th
0: in offense and 29th in defense, but like Purdue, which I agree. I, I like watching Purdue because it's, they score like that's a, that's a unique thing in college basketball, but defense at 67, like that's not going to get into the top 15. At least I guess you can make the argument. You can make the jump from 29 to 15 or better, but I, I don't see Purdue
1: being able to make that leap. No, it's a big jump. So, I mean, you've got to be in those ranges and you know, it's nobody is in those from the big 10. Um, so that is, that is concerning from their ability to advance in March. So I would beat, couple-
0: well, beat grand Canyon and then lost to Oregon pretty convincingly in, in the, uh, round That's of 32. Right. I don't even know. Right. Are we calling it? Are we back to, can we also like, what are we back to? Is it first round, second round? Like, I, I feel like when they tried to do that change, like that, that screwed me up so bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what did it, what are, it used to be called? Like I've almost I've already forgot what it used to be called.
0: So the big deal was they didn't want to make play-in teams feel lesser. And to yeah. that argument, I would say, well then don't make them play play a play-in game. Like that's right. By its definition, it's going to be a lesser thing. So remember, they tried to call it the first round, and then they moved the second, the round of 64 to the second round, the third round. And then I think they realized, okay, well that that's confusing everybody. I think it's back to first, second. You know, first, second,
1: sweet 16. So now it's eight. opening round in, in the play I first, think it's first four or something like that. First four. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah first four. First four. Uh, it, um, yeah, it's um, – I'm ba- i I'll call it whatever you want to. But, yeah, the round of 32, the, the second round second round sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm always a big – I like
0: second weekend team. That's a big yeah. – it's big charm for me. If you're a second weekend team, that's a legitimate contender. Okay, the other question that I had, because you have some experience – with uh, being a Tennessee alum, I have this weird deal with Bruce Pearl where I respect him, and I think he is an awesome coach. But there is an element with me of I think at least the offense is somewhat of a gimmick. And so when it comes to being a true contender, I just always have my doubts. But, man, I'm watching Auburn, and every single time like they go up against anyone – just leave impressed and he has the NBA talent this year in your mind is this Auburn team different than other Auburn teams and again I give Pearl credit like he's gotten him to a final four like I'm not saying but like I don't know there's just always been like a hang-up with me and maybe it's a little similar to how I used to always be with Jay Wright where you know you used to every time Villanova had a chance you're just like okay I'll believe it when I see it and then eventually, you know, they get the right pieces and you see that Jay Wright is an elite coach. Yeah.
1: Uh, how, I do. How think Bruce Pearl? I, listen, um, Bruce Pearl is the girl that got away for me. Yeah, even more than Kiffin for Tennessee people. Oh, forget Kiffin. Like, Bruce Pearl is, like, that was the guy. He loved the job. He got that job. He was grateful to have that job. And he got it at the point when it wasn't a very good job being the basketball coach, of Tennessee was, I mean, it was like being the football coach of Kentucky. It was just not really worth anything. And he turned it into a great job to the point where now like it's, you know, they got Rick Barnes and um, who knows what they'll get after him, but it's a good job now. And he was fantastic there. And you know, he went to the elite eight farthest that the team had ever gone. Should have won that game against Michigan state. Uh, I, I love Bruce Pearl and I still curse the university for not just saying we'll take the penalty and we're keeping our guy and and we'll just, it's, we'll, it's funny to think, is that what they would do today? Yeah. Today they would do that. I, they should at I, least I, I, I would do it if I was the, if I, if I had my coach and I loved him and this guy was like, he was, he was a great fit. You've got to look at fit and he did something that was not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Um,
0: I mean, he lied the, about a
1: cookout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've lied about way worse, uh, you know, like all the time. So, you know, I, again, I, I don't care about it. And I would have said, we will take your three-year show cause penalty and or, or we will take your, your tournament ban, and we are keeping our guy. That's what I would have done. I think they've got a tremendous chance, and the difference between this year's Auburn team and a lot of the Bruce Pearl teams in the past is this year's Auburn team is front court dominant, right? No, and I mean, most... and what wins in the tournament? Guard play, yeah, guard play. Really, it does. Um, but they, you know, and they they have a decent guard. They have a transfer guard, uh, but like they're right now. His, he's a front court dominant team, and you're right. It, you know, guard play does win the tournament, but there's a uniqueness to being front court dominant. Um, you control Lindo the inside
0: guard though too, though. But I mean, you're just right. The, the The headline grabber is Jabari Smith because every time you watch him, you're just like, how do you stop him?
1: You can't guard him. Yeah, you can't guard him. And now the only way to now there is a way to beat him in the tournament. That's just going to be foul trouble. Yeah, like that's how you beat him. But easier said I, than done. I think that's also like when we
0: talk about storylines, I know everyone is harping on Tim Tebow's crying about college football officiating this year and how it ruined the sport. And you got Florio talking about the NFL officiating. It's ruining the sport. I want to sit both of them down and I want to do what we do on BetQLU in the action. Just watch a bunch of college basketball games. I want to sit them down and say, watch this. Tell me yeah. how any of these games are officiated the same. Like, you know, like to me, like yet again, I just I know it happens every single year, but it just drives me insane how inconsistently the sport is officiated.
1: I hate the five foul rule. I think they gotta go to six. Um now I agree there's a penalty that needs to be, you know, had, but the officiating is so bad. It really is. Uh we talk we've talked about I think on my show, we've talked about NFL officials more this year than ever before. And I think we've talked about baseball umpires more this year than ever before. And and maybe just officiating is getting worse. Maybe it's getting worse because the game's faster. I think it's replay. twofold. I think
0: it's twofold. One, I think the guys are getting faster. The, like, if you look at what's the theme in almost every sport, you know, we want to play faster. Like in the NBA, they want to play faster. You know, some teams in college basketball still, you know, want to play Virginia style basketball, but like for the most part, it's like, you know, up tempo, shoot threes. It's, you know, mirrors the NBA game. And in baseball, I think the problem was, I think they're trying to change the strike zone. I think when Quest Tech came in, when Mm -hmm. Quest Tech came in, they were telling umpires, if it is off the plate, you do not call it because that was what it was looking for, was whether or not you're calling stuff off the plate. And so the strike zone got to be where, you know a neck high pitch could be called a strike but if it was at the belt but it was a half an inch off the plate it was a ball so the strike zone got to be just long instead of yeah. wide and so now everyone's throwing you know 101 mile an hour fastballs with sliders and nobody can hit it so you're just like guessing and, and i think it changed the game i think in baseball they're trying to they're trying to get away from that and change the strike zone and i think we're just in that weird transition period
1: yeah, I, I think we are. And, and, you know, in terms of the other sports, like college basketball or, or, or the NFL, um, it, it's, it's frustrating. You know, first of all, uh, the officials, I mean, they, you know, to have them still uh, conference officials instead of just NCAA officials, I get it. I get why they do it, right? From a, from a travel standpoint, and, you know, it's easier uh, in football. But, well, because there's know, one thing we know, RJ there's not enough money in college sports right now. No. Yeah. None none these guys are broke so i don't know why they're they're not able to fix the uh you know the the, the the officiating you know replay doesn't help i don't know why they just don't add an official you know instead of having uh, three refs on the floor in a basketball game put four uh,
0: i well again uh, you know rj that would, broke. that would that would that would challenge the way the game's been called it's like uh so like, are you trying to get the game officiated right i I always just love the excuse. Like, well, it's always been done with three officials. Like, well, we decided once upon a time in baseball to put two umpires down the line. Like, you know what I mean? Like we have seven for big playoff. games. Like I, I don't, I'm with you. It seems to me that having an extra set of eyes is not a, a negative. I just think like in general, it's just, it's so frustrating to a, it keeps me from betting totals. Like I'm officially like out on totals in college basketball, but you know, the way – I'm just – the way a game gets officiated, it just makes the sport so much harder to watch for me right now.
1: It really does. It, it bogs it down. You know, these – you know, the college football games are five hours because of the, the first, oh down mark, uh, first down clock stops, and there's a million pass attempts. And college basketball games, uh, which – and I love college basketball, but it, it is – they're just slower paced. You know, the shot clock's a little bit longer. Uh, you get two possessions a minute instead of three in the NBA – um, you know, and, 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 the problem with college basketball versus the NBA. And generally I like the college game a lot better than the NBA. The problem is, is there's not enough good shooters on the floor. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know, we, we were talking at the break with that Texas tech, Tennessee game at the garden a couple of weeks back. I mean, it was, I mean, the, those teams both went like seven minutes without making a shot. Well, you don't see that in the NBA ever. And you see it every weekend in college basketball.
0: Oh, I mean, we saw a game go to overtime in the 40s. I mean, you know, that just – But I mean, to your point, I mean, that's always – I always love, especially down south, you know, NBA don't play no defense. It's like, right. no, they're just incredible shooters. Like – Yeah, they're just better. Yeah. If Kevin Durant wants to score, he can. You know what I mean? Like, there's just – He absolutely not, Yeah. Like, if he <laughs> – if he if he wants to get a shot off over the top of you, there's not much you can do. And and that's just kind of where we are. All right. Well, when we come back next segment, we're going to take a look at some of the big games, including RJ's alma mater. They head to Rupp Arena. A lot of good action in the Big Ten and the Big 12. We'll take a look at all the big games coming up next. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. This is BetQLU.
1: From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright.
0: Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Some pretty good games this week. RJ, I'll let you take us where you want to go. You'll be in the action tomorrow. What kind of what are, what are the games that kind of have you excited? Like this is one I, I can't wait to watch.
1: Um, you know, there, there's a there's a few of them. I mean, obviously as a as a Tennessee alum, I'm always into a Tennessee Kentucky game, uh, considering we've had pretty decent luck against them uh, of late. And, you know, that's a that's a that's always a test. Uh, it's always a test. But I, I got to be honest. You know, I live in Texas. I am fascinated with what has gone on at Texas Tech this year. They lose Chris Beard. Um, they even even when they had Chris Beard, they had a player here and there that was NBA level, but never that like superstar. Right. They were always the very Jarrett, good. Jared Culver, the guy that yeah. gets
0: drafted, but, you know, he's on the Grizzlies now, but like, you know, he's a fringe NBA guy. I mean, I know he was a first-round pick, and what, but he's—it's just kind of what he is. But that's—that's yeah. that's the type of player I think you're talking about.
1: It's exactly it. You know, you—you've you, got a, a an NBA depth guy. That's what you have. Uh, meanwhile, these other schools are getting these high, you know, these 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 big-time prospects recruits, and aren't doing nearly as well. I think it's a really good program they've got built up there in Lubbock. Um, obviously, Chris Beard leaving and going to Texas. That was his dream job. That was the job he was always going to take if he was offered it. Uh, and, and I can't kill him for that. Listen, I've been to Lubbock, Texas, uh, and I've been to Austin, and and it is it is not close. One place, uh, the only thing that stinks there is that you've, it's, it, it's crowded and the traffic's awful. And the other place, it stinks if the wind is coming from the west. That's what the cows are. That's what the dairy I mean- farms are. Bill Parcells told the story of when he was
0: working for Steve Sloan that they'd have to bring recruits in at night so that that way they wouldn't
1: look around. Exactly. You don't want to land in Lubbock in the daytime. Uh-uh. You're just looking at brown stuff. Like, that's all it is. It's just desert. And it's not even good desert. It's like weird desert. It's kind of grassland desert out there. So it's what to, to be able to recruit, to be able to win at Texas Tech in any sport outside of rodeo, or maybe air rifle shooting is 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 pretty remarkable, and they've been able to recruit kids. You know, kids want to go to a college town that's cool, right? They want to go to a place that's cool. Like Lubbock, Texas, isn't cool. It's just not cool. Um, but they found a way to get kids out there. They found a way to build a really nice program.
0: I'm trying to remember who it
1: was. Maybe it was it you that had a
0: buddy that his daughter was really smart. And every time that uh, every time that her grades were slip, he was a tech alum. He's like, "Yep, one more of those, and you're headed to Lubbock." Like that was that was like always his threat was <laughs> was that
1: it, any more of those slip ups, you're headed to Tech. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me, but that's a good line, because that's the way it is. Like you know, oh, you didn't get into A&M, you didn't get into yeah. Texas. Well, there you go, head on out west, there, young lady. And then go on out to Texas and, and enjoy a dry county and party it up all you want. Uh, yeah, You think
0: you think you don't want to hit the books? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little motivation. Uh, let's turn our attention to uh, I don't know how you feel about Coach USA, uh, Coach K. I can't stand him. I think he's the most sanctimonious, like just awful. I can't. I, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I don't even, like, if I say get well soon, trust me, I'm being sarcastic. What do we think of Duke this year? Because you see him play at certain times. Like, there's a part of me that thinks, like, there's no way he's going to put together a bad roster for his retirement tour, which is also the most freaking self, like, masturbatory thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But I don't know. Like, I see them. They look like I feel like every Duke team I've seen, like, the last 10 years where it's like, I know they're good. I just don't think that they're, like, a title team.
1: You know, my biggest fear about this year is that we're going to get to the tournament and Duke will be healthy. And if, if you thought Duke got favorable calls from officials in the past, oh I, I I regret to inform you, you might want to skip March because I don't think we've seen anything yet. Like Coach well, K I'll- when he announced he was going to retire, he basically guaranteed himself Every call in March. And I mean every call. Larry Brown,
0: who's now on staff here at Memphis, you know, Larry Brown's obviously a Carolina guy. He was on a, he was on a podcast with someone and just took an unbelievable ricochet shot at. He's like, because obviously Roy's his guy. He's like, yeah, you know, Roy stepped down with no fanfare. Not exactly like that guy over in Durham. Like it was just like so, I like, just seeped. Seeped in disgust and like just what a look at me hero he is. Just shout outs to him. It was good to see him last week coaching up those kids from Georgia Tech again. Like I always love love when he coaches up another kid, another team's kids. <laughs> love it.
1: And then he'll cry at the podium. Oh my
0: God. And then make sure <laughs> make sure we got the cameras just so when I'm walking into their locker room. I just want to make sure that everybody yeah. saw that yeah, I that I, just, I went. I, well the reason I why I bring it, it up is. Love it. One of my oh my gosh, oh, oh, I just oh, love Duke. They're taking on NC State, and one of my favorite thirty for thirties is the Survive and Advance, the Valvano yeah. NC State. Uh, every time it's on, I, it's it falls into like that cable that cable TV movie that you'll just you know you'll sit through at least a scene. If I'm Jim Valvano's entire family, like the revisionist history that Scheschewsky has done, making it seem like that he wasn't the one that was throwing him under the bus to the NCA and whatnot. Like, I would just hate him. Like I, I would just sit there and say like, do not speak about our father, our grand, like never take his name off your lips. And the fact that like Sheshevsky finds a way to like, make it seem like that they were the best of pals, lifelong friends. Like yeah. that absolutely disgusts me. So for that, that being said, do we know is he gonna be on the sideline? Because I think I might have a spite bet and just take NC State just out of spite tomorrow.
1: I don't know but, that we know yet if he is gonna be on the sideline for this game. Um it's an interesting it's an interesting point you make, because I mean that is you are right. I mean, that is the rumor that he was the one that dimed him out. I mean, that's that that's kind of how it works. Um, you know, but but Coach K is and look, I, I have a I have a love hate with him. Like I I res- I totally respect what he's done. I like you know, I like the facade of the program he built. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the, the image. Like, of, yeah. yeah, it's a he's a marketing gimmick. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd be fooling ourselves like if we thought that everything at his program's on the up all the time. Oh, like, it's uh, just, and,
0: and I, and I'm like you. I acknowledge he's the best coach. Like I, I, yeah. I firmly acknowledge like that. But it's like I still can't stand him. He's so self
1: righteous. Oh my god, yeah. he's he's insufferable like there's guys I like I dislike more I dislike Cal more um I dislike Beheim more I dislike Calhoun more um Patino uh but that's because they're 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 like at least in the Cal Patino they're slimy and they embrace it they know at
0: least like at least with Cal for me like there's an air of respect like at
1: least he owns it yeah coach case is, is kind of slimy and he and you know because they all are you've got to be somewhat slimy in well, college if
0: you're
1: going to build a roster you're going to have to do some uncomfortable things yes you are you are going to have to get very uncomfortable and he's built the roster and you know he did cultivate you know juniors and seniors and then he transferred over to one and duns, and he's done a great job with it uh but his image that he has built like i honestly i'm kind of jealous i mean i wish that i was able to do as many you know, off-color things as college coaches do and have the image of purity and sanctum. I would love that. I just don't have the ability to do that. It is funny, though, like, how does he get away with it? Like, in the end, like, you know,
0: the NCAA has, like, I've always said, if you're going to be, if you're going to try and do it the way the big boys do it, you have to be buttoned up. Because when the big boys land a big kid, there's just not as many questions. Like, of course they did. Like, the NCAA. Like, I've still never figured out how Duke was able to, like, you know, you've got Indianapolis calling Coach K for his thoughts. It's like, I need to know what he did, like, on this scam. Like, how did he get them wrapped around his finger?
1: You know, because, well, here, look, we all know how coaches get in trouble, right? Yeah, you get they sloppy. Get, they get sloppy or they have a disgruntled assistant. Sure. them right out. Coach sure. K doesn't fire assistants. Look who's on his bench. They're well, his former even better. players. Remember when, uh, Capel, remember when
0: Capel was at Pitt and the, the student section went after Capel with Chance and he's like stopping it. It's I'm sitting there going, everyone's like, oh, what a class act. I go, no,
1: because Capel knows where all the bodies are buried. Every single one of them. Yes. Every single one of him. them. I mean, Chris Collins was on his bench for two decades. <laughs> Tommy Amaker was there for like 30 years. And it's no surprise, like Dean Smith, Phil Ford was there for three decades. Guthrie uh, forever. How long was Guthrie there for? Guthrie was there for, you know, it's just like the sixties. I think yeah. he was Larry Brown's coach. I think he coached Bob McAdoo. Like I, I think he was that old. So I mean, it's what a sport. If you, if you don't want to get caught, don't fire an assistant. Just keep paying him. I mean, there is loyalty
0: can be bought. Uh,
1: that, of course I, think it that,
0: can. I think that of is, Of course it I, can. I think that's the lesson. All right. Alabama's an interesting team. Nate Oates, I think is a terrific coach. Yeah. They're weird this year in that you'll see them for stretches in a game. And you think that they're awesome. And then you will see them like the final possession in the Auburn game or like the last 30 seconds. You're like, oh my God, this team's never played basketball before. Like, where are you on them?
1: I think it's the beauty and the curse of being a outside shooting team. You know, sometimes when you're on, you look like you can't be beat. And then there are other times where you struggle to score 60 points because you're just not, you're not hitting your shots. And that's where Alabama finds themselves sometimes. And and they're certainly not alone. I mean, basically every team that has kind of had this style of play at some point, you know, Alabama could go into a gym and beat anybody by double figures. And they can lose to just about anybody by double figures if they're off that night. I think that's just the curse and the the blessing. Yeah. I think it's the blessing and the curse of being a a, a, a team that relies on three points.
0: We are here each and every Friday at 11 Eastern. Also, when you wake up during Saturdays, also once the action kicks off, it's four hours of in-depth college basketball reaction and more. RJ will be with you tomorrow. It's all available on the Odyssey app. I am Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn He is RJ Choppy. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Choppy. We want to thank you for listening to and watching BQLU.
1: From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday it's Beck QLU in the action from noon to 8 Eastern. Available on BeckQL and the Odyssey app.